Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of Working With Humans. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Matt. You <laughs> sound very official. We... We do. We're never official, though. No, definitely never. not. Robin Blake, probably the hardest person to track down to get on this podcast, but I'm pleased <laughs> that I've persisted to get you on, so thank you. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. So just to set the scene for everyone, Working With Humans is a podcast that I set up because I get to meet so many amazing humans throughout my career, and I just felt like I was being selfish by hiding away all the stuff that they teach me. So I've set up the podcast to share what these people teach me. So I've got Robin in today um, to just discuss her, uh, I couldn't even say the word, career, um, and what we can learn from that, because I think there's so many stories you've told me over the years that I think (laughs) other people can learn from. Um, Set the scene, so we're based in London, we are at uh, One Fine Play, is that correct, is that correct guys? One Fine Play, who have been amazing, because my podcast up until now has just been on my phone, and the guys at One Fine Play said come in, uh, use our studio and see what the difference is. So we've never been filmed before. So this is, we do, Robin and I don't know how we feel yet, but we'll let you know. Yeah, well, I'm, I've put my eyebrows on especially. I was going to come <laughs> in my yoga gear. So had to do a last minute change. Yeah, uh, we're on Silicon Roundabout, which if you're not from the UK, that is the, is the kind of the centre of the tech scene in London. And it's riding. Yeah, it's pretty grim. I, we've got flood warnings and it's just summer. So yeah. not a good time. Not a good time. But we're happy. Robin and I are happy. We've had yeah. coffee and we've got water. We've got very bright lights in front of us. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, so, <coughs> Robin, um, I'm going to introduce you in my words. Um, and then I want you to introduce, introduce, introduce yourself. I can't even speak and I'm supposed to be the host. <laughs> so I would describe you as one of the most selfless people I know. And you're always worrying about everyone else. Um, which for me makes you a brilliant human. But... I was trying to remember the first time I met you, and I think it was when you were working at Vivian Westwood. And I remember you came into the meeting, and obviously at first I thought, oh, this is a nice person, you're a nice person. But then, and I can't even remember how old you were, but when you started talking, I was like, wow, this guy, this girl is smart. Like, I just remember picking that up, and that just stayed with me. But I was trying to, like, think of a way of describing you that for people that haven't met you would be able to understand. And have you watched The um, Greatest Showman? Yes. It's a great film. Do you think I it's a love, good film? I love The Greatest Showman. <laughs> so yeah. I was watching behind the scenes from Hugh Jackman and he was saying the hardest thing as an actor is if you're when you're in a musical when you go when you go from talking into music so like suddenly you're talking like this and then I'm not even going to try and do it and suddenly you're singing. Yeah. And what I've having worked with you over a 10 year period or however long it's been what I think that you do amazing is one minute you're just talking about like the most random piece of crap ever and then suddenly <laughs> you're making the most detailed like significant point ever and like sometimes I have to wake me up myself up and I'm like oh my god this is some serious stuff that I need to be listening to and I just think it's amazing how you just can switch between the two mm. um, so we'll see if that happens today yeah <laughs> For our listeners. Fingers crossed it yeah. happens. <laughs> I mean, some of the brands you've worked for, like it, it is a who's who of of British brands, Marks and Spencer, Selfridges, Vivian Westwood. What is wrong with me today? <laughs> Vivian Westwood. Um, so they're some of the brands you've worked for. Um, I'd like you to introduce yourself in your own words. In terms of my career, um, I have been doing digital for nine years now. Um, I came to London. I originally, I either wanted to be a um, dance choreographer or a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> neither worked out. I think that kind of says a bit about my personality. Have you considered merging <laughs> the two? I mean, yeah, a, a dancing lawyer. Um, 
It's a I niche. Did, I did kind of consider it, but I just didn't see how that was going to work out. Um, and then I kind of had to have a very serious think about what else I wanted to do. Um, and I fell into digital. I got employed by a tech startup called Next Jump, and that was my introduction into marketing. Um, and very quickly after that, I, you know, I thought. You was know, that what, in London? Yes, that yeah. was in London. And very quite quickly after that, my brother asked me the question, you know, if, you, if you've kind of got one one dream of coming to London, what would that be? And it was to be able to go to Fashion Week and work for an amazing British luxury fashion retailer. Yeah. So um, wow. I, I kind of set that as my goal really yeah um you know kind of started publisher side uh working as an account manager um for this tech startup on fashion brands um went and worked for an agency for a year which was kind of a strategic move just to kind of get my um toe into the water and like broaden my experience in terms of the different digital channels so there I was very lucky to work with brands like Ted Baker Liberty of London Agent Provocateur brilliant brands and then um yeah I I switched to brand brand side um you know unfortunately the first experience I had was pretty short because the company that I worked for had to make redundancies but then was very lucky to be offered um the job at Vivian Westwood to um head up their digital marketing team and grow that team from scratch which was literally my dream um and I was lucky enough to do that three years into my career so yeah Wow, I think what um, have you heard of attraction theory? Um, yeah, kind of, but I think you need to tell me a bit more. <laughs> it's the it's the it's, it's that it's that thing when you visualise mm. something and it becomes and it comes true. And what's fascinating, listen to you and some of our other guests, like Oren Bowman, who was the first guest on. He's he just wanted to work for a football club. He just loved football and he wanted to work for a football club. Yeah. And now he works at Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. And I just uh, it was so interesting hearing that you had that clear vision. Yeah. And I think anyone who's listening, I think that's a really good for a reminder for people is to spend a bit of time working on what that is and you were lucky that your brother asked you that question and you you had it in your head so I just find that fascinating yeah and I think that's really important because I think um sometimes people kind of coast along and they you know they don't really believe that they can reach that end goal um and also I think it's about looking at the more creative ways to get there. I didn't kind of start from the bottom at Vivian Westwood and work, work my way up. I was quite strategic about the way um, that I got there and tried to make sure I could get there in the quickest time possible as well. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so I'm going to pro- I'm going to try and prove that you can go from the silly to the strategic really quickly. Okay. So I'm going to do some questions just so the audience can get to know you. Sure. So rosé in Cannes or cocktail in New York? Oh gosh, that's so hard. Rosé and can if it's with you. Awesome. Yeah. I, I was. That was a leading question. Yeah. If you hadn't said that, I would have yeah. been upset. At school, uh, would you have preferred to have done drama or music? Um, music. Music. And NSYNC or Take That? NSYNC. I knew you'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So I just want to talk about passion for a second mm-hmm. because someone that you always talk about as an inspiration is your mum. But you don't call her mum. What do you call her? Moz. Moz. So my dad's called Toz. My mum's called Moz. <laughs> Tony and Moira. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's short for that. Yeah. But one, you sent me a video once of, of your mum and she just had a very simple vision, didn't she? Yeah. Which I will let you explain. But she arrives here in the UK from another country. Is that right? Yeah. So my parents are South African. Um, she came to the UK. My mum and dad, my family have got a passion for food. And one of the things that my mum was really excited about was having all of these British 
baked goods and pastry. Was that um, before she arrived? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think the words in that video was that she came to the UK and thought that the roads would be paved with pastry, not gold. <laughs> and when she came, she was very disappointed because um, all of the pastry was made with lard. You couldn't buy any kind of butter pastry, which is the premium pastry. Yeah. And it was a pretty kind of shoddy proposition all round. So my mum made it her mission to change that and now she's got a pastry factory called Dorset Pastry and she supplies Harrods, Ocado, um, lots of uh, kind of different famous London restaurants and food service. So I just love that because she had something that she was unhappy about and she just turned it into a positive, didn't she? She just changed it, yeah. I just, that, I just love it. <laughs> That's why I want to talk about it. Um, one of the things that you talk a, a lot about um, is um, there was a person that you worked for in the, in the early part of your career, Jeremy ja Jauncey, is it? Jeremy Jauncey. I'm sure some of you have seen him. He currently owns um, Beautiful Destinations. He's like Matt Obama a couple of weeks ago, yeah. so he's gone pretty I, I've, been, I've never had body confidence issues, but when I saw his pictures on um, Instagram, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I hope he doesn't watch this, but he's the only person I've had to slightly put my computer screen up for <laughs> when he used to sit opposite me. <laughs> but you told me something that he said to you when, when you were working for him about yourself, which I think could be interesting for you to share, because... The, I remember the f when we went to a creative event called Can Lions mm -hmm. um, and we entered the room and and it, we talk about bias all the time and someone made the assumption, probably because I've got more grey hair than you, that you were my PA, even though you were really senior in the company that you're working with. Yeah. Um, and this, the reason I bring the, the two up is that person, which we won't name, is now a really good friend of yours and someone that you work with. So yeah. You could have just like kicked off, couldn't you, or whatever, but you turned it a negative into a positive. So the advice that you got from Jeremy was around, which I'll let you share, but then I want to ask you another question off the back of it, if that's okay, off the two points. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I do have a slightly higher than normal voice, and I do look young, and I'm pretty kind of bouncy and girly, and um, I think on first impressions people don't always um, tie that together with intelligence. Um, so I guess kind of as I've grown up, I've always had a bit of a conflict as to whether I should embrace that or kind of make a good first impression and play that down. Um, but yeah, luckily enough, very early in my career, I met Jeremy Jauncey. He, he actually gave me my first job in London. And he said that I can use that to my advantage because people always underestimate me. But, you know, very quickly after speaking with me, if you're talking about anything to do with my profession and what I know, I mean, I know my shit. Yeah. And I think sometimes that plays to my advantage because it hits my points home harder home home harder yeah. um so yeah I've always just kind of embraced that and I actually think it's the less intelligent people that don't really kind of read between the lines and um yeah so in a way by just being yourself it's self-selecting because you're you're selecting out the less intelligent people yeah which I is guess kind you, of yeah. you're, fil you're filtering it in a way yeah exactly and um you know in a professional sense, I will always, I, I like I know when to kind of act professional and I know when, what to say and when to say it. Um, but 
I think my personality is who I am and I'm not going to kind of shy away from that. If people want to have preconceived ideas of me, then, you know, that's up to them to kind of learn who I really am and what I really know. Totally agree. And what would, what would you do? And the reason I brought up both the examples is if someone else is listening and they feel like they're in their career, maybe the beginning of it, maybe towards the end of it or whatever. Yeah. To someone who feels like people underestimate them, what advice have you got for them? I think like me, just use it to your advantage and feel confident in who you are and what you know. Um, because at the end of the day, we all have jobs to do. We all have professions. And as long as you're informed in what you're saying and you're kind of delivering, then nobody can hold that against you. And actually, people like people and they like working with people. So if you've got the balance of the two, then it's a win-win. Yeah. Don't change Robin. That's my advice. <laughs> um, okay, so you believe that life's all about moments. Is that right? Yes. Let, explain that. So um, this is a, my mum is a very, very special person and um, she you know just like that pastry story she kind of always strives to make the best of everything so um her motto is life is made up of moments and in those moments we live so I've tried to live by that um you know and I kind of think about the fact of uh, don't get me wrong everybody likes a Saturday night in front of the tv watching Simon Cowell but I don't really remember the last time I did that However, I do remember the last time I went to Holland Park and had an amazing picnic and, you know, uh, drank Prosecco and had profiteroles. Um, so, yeah, I think life and time is really, really precious and you really, you really remember your memories. Like, the memories make you who you are. So you almost need to create them. Yeah, and that, that sort of fits a lot back to our happiness data, which... The, yeah one of the highest impacts on increasing the happiness of yourself and which actually impacts on how long you live yeah. is the quality of the relationships in your life. Yeah. So people obviously focus on um, lots of things which actually are related to the fashion industry which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. But it is interesting that, that, that both those points go back to happiness. Yeah, gosh, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, particularly in the last few years, I've realised that it's not it's not about the number of people you know it's the quality of the people you know and and you, they say that that you're you're most influenced by like the five people that you spend yeah. the most time with so you should really kind of be selective about who those people are and appreciate your own time as well yeah i think that's great advice yeah um so i'm just going to recap what i've learned so far <laughs> which is is, is have a strong vision about what you want to be yeah. and how important passion is. Yeah. But thirdly, the biggest thing is be yourself. Yes. So I want to take on to your trade, which is broadly marketing, but in the in the digital space. Yeah. One of the reasons I wanted to get you on is that I think you're rare in the fact that lots of people understand brand, lots of people understand data, and lots of people understand culture, but yeah. not many understand how all three of them work. Yeah. Because I'm all, one of, you know, I was saying like when you move from like just talking about something silly and then you're suddenly making some deadly points you understand brand and digital in a way that I never can and I'm always like oh my god this is where I need to be listening mm. why do you think you understand that the, can understand the three different areas of that um and that's a big question yeah that is I think it's just the way that my brain works I'm I'm kind of equally creative as I am kind of more um logical and detail and mathematical and 
I guess, yeah, that's a product of having the marriage of the two and trying to keep that balanced. Um, So, yeah, I think I I just tend to look at the world kind of quite holistically. um, And I think, yeah. And I think that's kind of important if we're talking about um, digital and marketing. It's becoming more and more important because brand and data uh, emerging I've just literally been kind of thinking about this at, at Selfridges and you know I'm I'm on the performance team at Selfridges which is to do with you know um, managing their paid media channels and brand teams sits quite separately yeah. but if you look at the way that the industry has gone um, you know brand and performance is always sat quite separately however you know we've started to see this merger if you look at social media for example that was always considered brand but now now that's turned because of data we're getting more and more data insights which means that we can start tying that whole kind of customer journey together yeah and that is going to that data is going to be applied slowly to everything we're going to be able to track that so it's important to have that clear vision and that clear understanding and the balance of the two yeah no no i totally agree and i think the one thing that i think is changing that is the access to technology to do that yeah because people didn't used to be able to do it and now Mm. they can and i think that's that's why that's exciting well i mean look at what you're doing at the moment whoever thought that you could tie data to happiness but data is going to be it's underlying in everything that we're going to be doing it and and it's going to be um important to all aspects of human life so and I think in, interesting listening to you Steve Jobs always says creativity is connecting the dots mm. and f- listening to what you're doing itself which is that's effectively what you're doing you're connecting the dots mm. between brand and performance yeah so you're you're adding a creative function to that which, yeah. is, uh, which is why I think it's fascinating when you discuss your background yeah. through to where you are now I always remember it on that point being at, at Vivian Westwood. So obviously Vivian Westwood is a very kind of creative um, out there brand that's very focused on the brand. And I always used to get criticised at Vivian Westwood for being too data centric and that yeah. I didn't know enough, or, you know, that I wasn't brand sensitive enough. And then I went to M&S and um, everybody was like, you're way too brand and not <laughs> not data enough. So yeah. it's it's quite kind of interesting, different um, brands' perceptions of yeah. what brand and data is. And just some questions on culture and the places you've worked. What's the best working culture you've, you've experienced? I'm going to give two answers for this. Um, so I think kind of the setup of the first job I have, which was, was Next Jump, um, so, like I said, that was a, a tech company that was. Is that the Jeremy Johnson company? The Jeremy yeah. Johnson company. So they're um, an American American company. Did you work in New York? Or did I imagine that? No, oh, we used to go. So they're they're based in New York. So I used right. to go to New York with them a lot, um, and they. The way that they recruited people was really quite interesting. So, when you got to the final round, you of. Um, you know, applying for a job, they'd have these days called Super Saturdays, which was a bit American and cheesy. But um, <laughs> but you'd have the whole day there and they'd have the whole team. So everybody from, you know, the office manager right through to the director of that office would be there. And <clears throat> they'd interview kind of 15 people would be there at a time. And you'd go through this whole day of, you know, tests and interviews. So this was your, inter- when you interviewed to join this company? Next jump, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and presentations and you kind of get marked on that but what you didn't realize is that they had a room called the war room with everybody's picture up and while you were just there you know in between having your coffee and like talking to the other people at next jump they'd actually all be kind of listening and feeding back in that war room so what was really important to Next Jump is that that, that they were employing like-minded people. So everybody yeah. had a say in that hire, right from the most junior person to the most senior person. Um, and I think as a result, it was a really, really kind of close-knit team. And they've maintained that. We were in the UK office and that was only 20 people, but they had 200 people in the New York office and they still kind of ran a similar thing. Um, so that, that was you know, that was a really good first job for me to be in. And um, I think that mentality throwed through in in that no matter how junior you are, if you had an idea, you could execute that. And they they wanted you to have a voice, which is, you know, I think that that's really kind of helped set me up for for other jobs. Um, And secondly, on the complete reverse of that, um, Vivian Westwood was really quite um amazing but very hardcore but when you're thrown into a situation that's so tough to deal with but you're surrounded with people who are so passionate yeah that again kind of fuses you together again isn't it yeah um and you know the the friendships um that i've forged from working there are are, are insane you know some of my best friends in the world were from that job that's brilliant and i was going to ask this later but how does someone like Vivian Westwood impact? I can now say her name. How yeah. does that actually impact culture? Does it impact it at all? Is there an influence? I think, yeah, like, I mean, we keep saying the word passion. Um, Vivian is incredible. Um, I'm sure everyone is aware she can be very, very difficult um, to work with. However, she whether at times you like her or not you cannot deny that she has a lot of like passion and guts and um you know she's absolutely fearless and you feel that you know and working there that trickles down and everybody everybody kind of is impacted by that and you know working there has a meaning yeah um and i think that that can be quite rare these days to be somewhere that you feel you have a, a meaning. Yeah, and uh, that goes into a lot of the work we work with uh, clients on there about purpose. Yeah. So if you've got those things, the passion, the purpose, mm. etc., you've got a chance of creating those cultures. Yeah. There's because um, one of the things that I've that I've um, observed of you <laughs> is that your teams tend to work for you, not the company. Yeah. So whenever uh, I'm, when you're not there and I'm with your team, they work for you, not Marks and Spencers or Selfridges or Vivian Whispered. They're very loyal to you. Yeah. Who's the best manager you've worked with? Is there, if, if you had someone that you've been loyal to, is there, is there someone that sticks out in your career? The managers that I've had have, um, have given me quite a lot of autonomy. I've actually, I'm not just saying this because you're here, but um, I've actually probably had some of the biggest lessons from the agencies that I've worked with and um you know that the way that they kind of manage people and deal with people and manage the clients that they work with me being being one of them so I've learned a lot about that um 
Yeah, you know, like my ex- first experience with you when I did my six week stunt stint at Selfridges six years ago. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned from four P's at the time was like going in and um, in an organization, you know, no matter where they sit, whether that be with, um, you know, creative teams or editorial teams or finance teams, understanding how you can help them, but also how they can help you. Yeah. Um, and I've made that a point into wherever I go, um, you know, particularly in digital, that that touches every arm of a, a company now. Yeah, you can't work in a silo. No, you can't. So I make it a point of when I start in a company, going in and going to each department and listening to them yeah. and understanding them, because if if you can benefit them, they can benefit you. Yeah. Um, you everyone should be working towards the same goal. So yeah. And I think that that kind of leads into the second question because I think I think the reason agencies or marketing agencies like we were understand that is because our product is our people. Mm. Um, so that's you don't have any option other than to be concentrating on stuff like that. Mm. But retailers they employ a lot of people, but their product's not always people. Yeah. So they've got like it's it's more complicated. Mm. And I'm just this is a massive generalization, but there is a perception that retailers have really bad culture. Yeah. Um, and I do have data that packs out as well, but there is that perception out there. Yeah. Um, why do you think that is? I think um, retailers get so caught up on the bottom line and the the KPIs and revenue and um, that they're just a bit blinkered. Um, yeah. And, you know, at times, I guess, I've been in situations where I've been under a lot of stress and I've got to, to hit targets. But it's a bit short-sighted because you only perform as well as the people that you employ to perform. Yeah. So, you know, you need to have, a, again, a broader, more holistic view. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the bit that I, because we've obviously worked with lots of retailers in the past, is... The thing that, and I think you've done a really good job at this at Selfridges, is how day-to-day retailers can be obsessed. And I understand that because that comes from the tradition of you've got a shop mm. and at the end of the day you count up how much money the shop made. Mm, yeah. Um, to when you're working with business, the business companies have a much longer-term view of stuff. I do I do think that short-termism needs to change, but yeah. that's, that's a, it's just a cultural thing in retail. Yeah. Um, and the next question is very linked to that because a lot of your brands that you've worked with are either luxury or premium. So the question I wrote down was, does the devil wear Prada? <laughs> but just because I wanted a funky question in there. But what I'm really asking is, do luxury brands have an issue with the culture inside them? Yeah, I do think that... Um, I think luxury does have a... What's, I mean, what's the, what's the phrase that you say? I don't know. Luxury can be really, really snooty. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely, definitely experienced that. And I think, um, yeah, it can be tough. It is sometimes literally like the devil wears Prada. Um, like people get so caught up in that brand and think they're so much better than everyone else for working it. But it's just, you know, however much I love brand, it's just a brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a, going back to the passion and the purpose bit, 
one thing that I'm a bit obsessed with at the moment, um, moment can't speak today, <laughs> is, is literally saving the world. Yeah. And there's a criticism of fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Selfridges has actually done a lot in the sustainability area. But do you think the new luxury could become saving the world? Like there's a lot of people out there that are now making sure that they're... It's, I think Toms do it, don't they? Like every time you buy a pair of Toms, they yeah. donate... Uh, a pair of shoes or trainers to the, the third world or whatever. Yeah. Do you think luxury can become like a force for good? Oh gosh, absolutely. Um, I actually went to a conference in Dublin um, at the Google offices that was, uh, yeah, it was a luxury conference. And um, there was a couple of big talks uh, around sustainability and, um, you know, the responsibility that fashion brands and luxury have to you know um advocating that shift yeah um you know and i think it it kind of stella mccartney she's doing a a really good um piece of work and she's actually working with google on looking at um traceability yeah i mean it's a big a big job that you know if you look at a brand supply chain the data really actually goes back so far so it's actually really really hard to source kind of you know from where like you get the growth of cotton right through to a, the finished product yeah all of the steps associated with that um but it is on everyone it, it's on the radar like brands can't get away with it anymore um and i think they're going to be losing some serious credibility yeah if they don't address this and soon because yeah. um it's a it's a change in culture generally broadly speaking yeah. and society and people are taking it really seriously so you know um maria um who i'm seeing tomorrow maria glasscock who's the hr director of selfridges um she said to me uh, a lot of people of the younger generation now who are coming into entry roles at selfridges are actually asking these questions around csr and sustainability and sourcing yeah. And she said 10 years ago, they no, no one cared. Yeah. But they're actually asking before they accept a job. And that encourages me. I think that's an amazing thing. Yeah, like definitely. I think we, we can't get away from it anymore. Um, and there's some there's a lot of fashion companies that are doing amazing things, but we, we, we need to do more, really. Yeah. Um, and I think fashion, um, fast fashion is a is a, a, a big issue uh, one thing we're seeing because we one of our growth areas is china where a lot of factories in china get accused of being sweatshops mm-hmm. but they're actually asking us to go in to start to independently collect data on how much how well they look after their employees mm-hmm. because certain regions and certain places get typecast mm. whereas china is a, com- a country that is trying to do a lot for employees yeah. um, and they're, they're one of the biggest investors in green energy as well um, so it's, it's fascinating because obviously a lot of stuff is produced in China. Yeah. But for me, I've got to take the positive that luxury can get that route because surely that's what people want um, going forward. Yeah. Um, so I've got a question that I'm going to put in. I was just t- speaking to Geffen uh, Nadin, who's a well-being expert, uh, just before you arrived. And he said he got asked this on a podcast and he got really emotional and almost cried when he was asked it. And I was like, I'm going to ask Robin that and oh see what happens. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I was like, wow, what a great question. But I'm just declaring that I've stolen it. Um, do you like yourself? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do like myself. 
I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect, but <laughs> <laughs> you have to work with what you're given, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you cool. like yourself? Um, I'm always, I'm never happy. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think I'm doing a lot of good stuff, but I'm never, like, content. I'm always trying to, like, yeah. improve. I think it comes from a digital back marketing background where you're always trying to improve yeah. whatever the, the thing is. So... Yeah, good for asking me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should like yourself. You're great. Thank you, Robin. I paid her to say that. Um, okay, last three questions. We're going to wrap okay. up. So biggest low in your career? Biggest low, I'm not going to name the company, but when I got to a stage of selling turkeys as my main KPI for a second year running. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Leave it at that. <laughs> uh, highest moment in your career? My first ever Paris Fashion Week at Vivian Westwood awesome. and doing all of their social media and digital strategy for them. I love that so much because it goes back to that vision that you yeah. told us about at the beginning. And before I hand back to you, the passion, I just is, I just keep thinking about that quote from your mum about yeah. the passion and thinking the streets of Tracy Pastry. <laughs> but um, Robin, I, as ever, I've learned so much. You've been such an amazing guest. Thank you. Um, I'm going to leave you to close um, by just discussing the biggest learning in your career. The biggest learning. Oh, that's a bit of a curveball. Um, the biggest learning and probably the biggest advice to give is is to be nice to people. Like, people have feelings. And um, I don't think any anyone does any good if you're, if you're kind of not nice to them for no particular reason you're never going to get the best out of people so always try and look at the positive and um always try and find the positive in people yeah robin you're an amazing human being okay. thank you thank you matt Cheers. thank you thanks for having me <laughs> cheers guys <laughs>